Greetings, and welcome to another episode of A Pale Death Podcast. I am your host, Babylon. Happy Halloween, everyone. Tonight we're going to be reading Chapter 11 of Watershed by Paul Thomas Ferguson, and possibly Chapter 12. We'll see. If so, I will post it separately, as I always do. Again, happy Halloween, everybody. Watershed by Paul Thomas Ferguson Chapter 11 Best Laid Plans January 1884 Hire awoke in silence and warmth buried under a burgundy-colored down comforter. Opening his eyes, he briefly felt that sense of panic common to those who wake and find themselves in an unfamiliar place. After a moment or two, he recalled the events of the previous day, his journey with Annabelle and his arrival at the Doyle family estate, Marathon. He sighed and fell back against the soft pillow, wondering how long he might be able to rest, should he choose to remain in bed. Before long, however, curiosity got the better of the boy. He sat up and surveyed his surroundings. Dominated by the large canopy bed, it was the largest bedroom Hire had ever seen. The bed sat at one end of the room, surrounded by rose-tinted wallpaper covered in fleur-de-lis. Across the room sat a dressing table made of the same dark wood, from which the floor and door frames had been fashioned. Thick, rust-colored drapes covered the tall windows. An oil lamp on the dressing table faintly illuminated the boy's portmanteau, which stood upright, open, and ready for use. Hire sat for a moment in awe of the most luxurious room he had ever seen. Climbing out of the bed, Hire was slightly surprised to find himself dressed in his nightshirt. Wondering who had prepared him for bed, he walked to the nearest door with the intention of peeking out into the hallway to see if anyone else was stirring. Opening it, he found not a hallway, but a private washroom, containing a toilet and a vanity topped by a porcelain basin. Across the small room stood another door, which he presumed led to another bedroom. Stepping inside, he approached the basin and looked for the pitcher of water that would normally be in such a place. Instead, Hire realized with a start that the basin was equipped with a tap for running water. With a faint, odd grin, he set about washing his face. Back in the bedroom, Hire found a stack of clothing on the dressing table. Sorting through it, he recognized several new items Annabelle had purchased for him. In short order, the boy stood before the bathroom mirror, fully dressed, looking as odd as he felt in the new clothing. Dark blue pants, cream-colored dress shirt, black vest, and black shoes. The image in the mirror was someone else, not the farm boy who had worn the same work clothes day after day for as long as he could remember. His odd appearance combined with the slight stiffness of his new clothing, and it made him long for the comfort of his old clothes. Yet he knew those garments would not be appropriate in a home such as this. Resigning himself to the new state of things, Hire sighed, adjusted his collar, 
and opened the second door in the bedroom. This led to the hallway, which featured a balcony overlooking the floor below. A dark wooden railing separated the walkway from this empty space, and wound around to the left in a perfect square with two doors on each wall. To his right, the railing ended at a wide set of stairs heading down. Stepping carefully into the hall, he approached the banister and glanced down at the area below. He appeared to be on the second floor, the balcony overlooking a large central foyer. From the boy's vantage point, the foyer appeared empty, but for a large oriental rug in the center of the floor. Glancing above, he saw that the bright light came from a skylight high up in the middle of the ceiling. Turning around to close the bedroom door, Hyer gave a start upon discovering a dark-haired man sitting in a chair five feet from his room, benignly staring at him. The boy's heart pounded in his chest, and he fought to catch his breath, even as his mind recalled that this person was Eamon, the old Irishman. Before he could fully collect himself, the elderly fellow greeted him in his odd, gravelly voice. I didn't mean to fear you, Master Hire. I do hope you will forgive me, but Miss Annabelle asked that I be here when you woke. Hire coughed <clears throat> and stood a bit straighter, shrugging off his silly reaction in an effort to cover his brief moment of fear. I wasn't afraid. I just didn't know you were there. He looked around at the empty hall and then back at Eamon. How late is it? Well, I suppose that would depend on who's doing the asking. I've been up since the sun, the judge a wee bit later, and Mrs. Doyle later still. Miss Annabel rose nigh on an hour ago, but here he leaned forward in his chair and gave higher a wink. It's not so late for a boy, I think. Iyer smiled nervously, unsure how to proceed. The old man nodded. I expect you'd like a bit of breakfast. That I would, sir. Eamon pushed himself out of the chair, his knees creaking in the process, and stood tall before the boy. Come along, then, Master Hire, and we'll find the kitchen. Hire followed the old man to the carpeted steps. He stared unabashedly at the elegance. <laughs> Hire followed the old man to the carpeted steps. He stared unabashedly at the elegance of the wide stairwell, the carvings on the banister, the brass oil lamps on the wall, the great crystal candelabra overhead, and contrasted this with the rather austere man walking next to him. Mr. Eamon, sir? The old fellow did not look at the boy or break his stride. Just Eamon, young master. Eamon. He marveled at being called master, but shoved this aside for the moment. How long do you think we'll stay here before we continue on our journey? As they reached the bottom of the stairs, Eamon turned to the boy and gave him a serious look. Well now, that would depend on whether you continue your journey at all. 
the significance of this statement hit the boy hard. He had secretly feared something like this might happen. It was foolish to think he could be so fortunate as to have Annabelle take him on a lengthy tour of the world. Perhaps she had finally realized that the cost would be too great, or perhaps Annabelle had proposed this journey simply as an excuse to remove him from the farm for good. He had no desire to believe such a thing of Annabelle, but fear and doubt are powerful emotions, especially when combined in the mind of a boy. What do you mean? Has something happened? Sensing the panic in Hire's tone, Eamon put a warning finger to his lips and lowered his voice. I have no wish to worry, lad. It might all yet work out. We'll just wait and see, shall we? Standing on the fine rug in the middle of the lower hall, the boy continued to look at Eamon in confusion, waiting for an explanation. The old man nodded, patting Hire softly on the shoulder. I can see that you'll be wanting the full story. He guided the boy towards a pair of chairs near the broad front door. As they sat, the old man continued to speak in low tones. Understand now that I know more than I'm told, but I expect it's nearly as much as there is to know. Miss Annabelle sent a letter to her parents, telling them that the two of you were to go on a trip after a stop at Marathon. Ever since Mrs. Doyle has been in a right state, she don't think it's right. Why not? Eamon smiled paternally. Because it isn't. But, young Master Hire, think of it. A young woman and a boy traveling unescorted through America and Europe. It isn't right at all. There are dangers, difficulties. It simply isn't done. So, like I say, Miss Doyle prepared for your arrival with the idea of talking Miss Annabel into giving up the idea. They're in the study, and have been for quite a while, talking it over with his honor. Hire bent over the chair and stared at the floor. We'll be going back home, then. I'm not so sure about that. Hire looked up at the old man. Miss Annabel is not one to be put off easily, if you take my meaning, and also, between you and me, Judge Doyle favors the girl. If I had a wager, I'd say you're likely to take your trip, but with Mrs. Doyle in tow, to choose where you go and what you do. Miss Annabel won't like it, but she'll take it. That's the only way. <clears throat> Hire nodded. But why can't she just do what she wants? She's a grown-up. A grown-up? That she is. But being a grown-up means more things you're obliged to do, lad. Not fewer. You'll see. Yourself one day. Miss Annabelle always had a mind to do what she liked. No mistake about it, but a couple things will keep her off that path. For one thing, she respects her folks. For another, she knows her mother is right, whether the girl admits it or not. Eamon looked closely at the boy, somewhat surprised to see his shoulders slump in spite of the old man's suggestion that the trip could still take place. 
as much as Hire wanted to travel with Annabelle, Boy also wanted her to be happy about it. Plus, he had been excited about the possibility of spending such a long journey as Annabelle's only companion. Now he feared that Annabelle would have to split her attention while being placed under her mother's thumb. Well, Master Hire, no sense worrying about it. Let's get some breakfast in you. The conversation in the study was still going when Hire finished his meal, so Eamon helped him pass time by showing the boy around the rest of the house. There was a middle-sized kitchen, a dining room, with a table big enough for 16 people, two sitting rooms, one for his honor and one for his wife, and a small glassed-in conservatory full of exotic plants. As much as possible, they steered clear of the back corner of the house, where sat the double doors leading to the study. They sat in the conservatory, where Hire marveled at the variety of flora in the collection. Examining a plant with broad green leaves, the boy turned to see Eamon watching him intently. I do hope we can take our trip. Don't know that I'll ever get the chance again. The old man smiled back at him, prompting the boy to ask, Have you ever been to Europe, Eamon? The fellow stood silently for a moment, his eyes staring at nothing in particular, a blank canvas that made Hire blush for no reason he could understand. After a moment, Eamon smiled thinly. I should say so, yes. I was... Born in Ireland, of course. Like the judge. We came over in the forties. It was me, Mr. Doyle, and his folks. Landed in New York, and then it was Pittsburgh. Mr. Doyle went off to Harvard, and after his folks passed, I joined him in Peoria, where he met Mrs. Doyle. Hire nodded and ran his finger along the edge of a giant leaf. Why did you leave Ireland? Eamon sighed and looked away. There was a terrible famine. I saw too many of the folks around me pass on. The Doyles, the Elder Doyles, that is, lost nearly everything. Had a fine estate, they did, with sheep, potatoes, all gone. The servants left, all but me, that is. Finally, old Squire Doyle sold what he could and packed us up for America. The boy considered this sad story a few moments. Would you ever go back, Eamon? The old man looked down at the floor. There's none who'd welcome me back to the old country. Their memories are... Longer there. Hire started to reply, but stopped as he heard footsteps echoing through the house. The family discussion had ended. Sharing a glance, Eamon and Hire moved into the dining room, from which they could see Annabelle and her parents standing in the vast foyer. Hire was anxious to check Annabelle's face hoping that her expression might tell him how the discussion had gone. As she turned, she gave him a broad smile, 
gratified and relieved. Hire shifted his attention for the first time to Annabelle's parents, who surprised him in different ways. First, his eye fell on Judge Daniel Doyle. Although Annabelle had described her father as a colossus, the boy had not fully appreciated what it would be like to stand before such a man. To hire, the judge seemed enormous, standing more than six feet tall, with a belly as round as an apple and cheeks nearly as red. Yet, despite the man's unusual build, his tailored three-piece suit fit him perfectly. He was quite a sight, towering over the two women, an enormous, unlit cigar clenched between his teeth. Yet even the odd-looking judge could not hold the boy's attention, for Annabelle's mother dominated the room with surprising ease. Hire knew the woman must be Mrs. Bianca Strauss-Doyle. But he never would have guessed it, had he encountered her under different circumstances. A small woman, she stood at least three inches shorter than Annabelle, and a good foot shorter than her husband. She also appeared much younger than her years, with long blonde hair worn down around her shoulders, and her bright blue dress bringing about the blue in her eyes. Hire thought she looked more like an elder sister to Annabelle than a mother. Most of all, Hire felt overwhelmed by her presence. She fairly glowed with life, from her flowing hair to her smooth complexion, to general grace. To the boy, she seemed like an angel, quite a contrast to the overbearing woman he had pictured in his mind. Annabelle stepped forward and broke the silence. Hire, I would like you to meet my parents. Mother, father, this is Hire Jameson. Judge Doyle nodded and removed the cigar from his mouth allowing his deep, Irish-tinted voice to rumble through the room. Young Mr. Jameson, welcome. Uncertain how to address the imposing man, Hire half-bowed, then mumbled, Mr. Your Honor, sir. Mrs. Jameson laughed lightly, her voice twittering pleasantly in the air. Oh, no, let's have none of that, my dear. Call him Mr. Doyle or Judge Doyle if you must. Anything else would just invite him to put on airs, don't you think? Hire saw a flash of something cross Annabelle's face, but it was gone before he could identify it. He nodded. Yes, ma'am. You'll call me Mrs. Doyle. I'll call you higher, and we'll all get along like peas. Judge Doyle cleared his throat. <clears> Has our Eamon been taking care of you, young man? Oh, yes, sir. He's been most helpful. Thank you. Fine, fine. The patriarch quickly ran the unlit cigar under his nose, then pointed it in the boy's general direction. Eamon will be in charge of helping you properly prepare for your travels. Hire's heart leapt. Then we still get to go? Mrs. Doyle's glance darted towards Eamon, giving the boy a glimpse of what Annabel had suggested. 
The woman was clearly irritated, accurately assuming that Eamon had been discussing family business with a stranger. After staring at the old man for a long moment, Mrs. Doyle smiled and returned her attention to the boy. "'How silly you are! Naturally you get to go. We shall stay here a few days, so that we might enjoy the pleasure of your company and ensure that you have everything you need. And then you will be on your way.' Her use of pronouns was not lost on Hire. Mrs. Doyle had not included herself, and Hire's heart filled with joy as he realized Annabelle would not have to travel with her mother. The lady of the house continued, "'There are things we must do to see to it that your preparations are proper, which means going into the city. Annabelle and I will do some shopping, and Hire and Eamon will secure our proper tickets.' She looked the boy over. "'And—' I think a haircut is in order, don't you, Annabelle? As you like, mother. The words carried plenty of tension. Yes, I think so. Very well, then. Today we shall make lists of what you need, and tomorrow we shall get them for you. The next day you can be on your way. Settled? She asked this of no one in particular, and no one responded. Turning to her daughter, Mrs. Doyle nodded. Annabel, dear, I imagine that Hire has not yet seen the view from the roof. Why don't the three of you go up there now, and you can explain our plans to Eamon? Annabel smiled. Yes, mother. Then turned to Hire and Eamon. Come along, then. She swept around her mother and headed up the main stairs, followed closely by the old man and boy. Annabel kept her pace steady for, to allow for Eamon's careful ascent, while Hire followed along in the third position. Curious to know how Annabel had managed to convince her parents to let her do as she liked. On the second floor, they circled around to a door opposite the room in which Hire had slept. The boy had speculated that this must have been another bedroom, but as Annabelle opened the door, he saw that it was more like a wide closet, with linens and household supplies piled on deep wooden shelves to the left and right. In front of them, the closet stretched a dozen feet or so to a narrow staircase. After Eamon closed the door behind higher, Annabelle started climbing the stairs, speaking for the first time since leaving the foyer. Her tone betrayed indefinite irritation. Our plans, indeed. The old man snickered. I do not envy you the conversation, lass. But you appeared to have survived it. She replied without looking over her shoulder. Oh, yes, I survived it, but not without effort. Eamon's words continued between bouts of heavier breathing as he climbed the steep stairs. All's well that ends well, as the bard said. Mrs. Doyle seemed none the worse for it. She was uncommonly kind to the boy, at least. Annabelle stopped walking and turned towards her companions. The look she gave higher was kind, but she thought 
he detected a bit of pity as well. Oh, she was kind all right. And I know too well the source of that sentiment. Eamon frowned, miss. She sighed and tousled the boy's hair. Never mind. I have the result I sought. After all, you're right about that, Eamon. As they continued their climb, the stairway narrowed and darkened. And finally, they reached a small door. Annabelle opened it, letting in a blast of cool air and a flood of light. Heyer stepped forward in a semi-blindness, nervous about his footing in the unknown place, until his vision cleared enough for him to see. They stood upon a five-foot-wide wooden path next to the large skylight in the middle of the roof. The wooden deck was perfectly square, winding around the skylight, guarded on both sides by a three-foot-high iron railing. Heyer had seen similar places from the ground, perched atop some of the more fashionable homes in Macomb, but he had known neither what they were for nor why they were called widow's walks. Annabelle pointed off to the east, where a narrow road split a vast field of green grass. That is the front lawn, and the way we came in. The gate is out past those trees. Spinning around, she faced northwest, where Iyer could see a shallow valley a few miles distant, through which a wide line of water snaked its way through the countryside. That's the Missouri River. Iyer was speechless. The architect had picked a fine place to build his home. He wondered, somewhat morbidly, how long the man had been able to enjoy his beautiful home before choosing to kill himself. Annabel turned to Hire and smiled. I take it Eamon told you that my mother objected to our plans? Hire looked at Eamon to make sure it was acceptable for him to continue. Receiving a slight nod, the boy continued, he thought that Mrs. Doyle would end up going with us, but she isn't, is she? No, she surely isn't. Eamon chuckled. That surprises me, miss. <laughs> I'd have wagered that she'd not stand for you and the boy going off alone. She gave him a mischievous grin. That you were right, Eamon. She wouldn't stand for us going alone. That's why you're coming with us. The old man's mouth opened wide, his already pale face whitening further. What? What's that, miss? 